are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know. The thousands of letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine every year help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we share a few of the messages we've received from kids and we discuss them with an expert. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French-Cully, and you're listening to Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights, I have a problem with showing my temper up at night, and I miss my highlights. I get keys. I want your highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. You've surely known a child crazy about animals, obsessed and devoted to them. Maybe you even have a child like this in your own circle of loved ones. It's easy to share kids' love of animals and harder to explain it. Maybe part of the reason kids can connect so strongly with animals is that we anthropomorphize them beautifully, so appealingly in picture books and animated movies, which kids are exposed to from a very early age. These characters may lead kids to see animals as proxies for other kids. Or maybe it's just the pull of cute and cuddly. I'm certainly susceptible to that, I confess. And I think it might also have to do with empathy, which kids can display in spades. They see a vulnerability and a powerlessness in animals that is a little like what they themselves may feel, and it triggers in them a desire to love and protect. So when kids hear about endangered animals, it's deeply upsetting for some of them. And their concern for these creatures often leads to an interest and a worry about climate change and the overall health of the planet. How do we talk to kids about concerning environmental issues in a way that's honest, but also hopeful, and also in a way that will nourish their curiosity and sustain their interest in these important issues? That is the big question we're going to explore today in this podcast. And I'm excited that uh, our guest today is one of our very own Highlights Science Editor, Andy Boyles. Andy is a career science writer, telling complex science stories in ways that make them accessible, sometimes for adult audiences, but more often for children. Andy's specialty is inspiring a love of science in kids. We've published many, many science articles and highlights authored by Andy, and we've relied on him and his longtime role as contributing science editor to help many scientists and other science writers shape their science articles in a way that captures the attention of kids. Additionally, in his role at Highlights, Andy has answered thousands of kids' science questions sent to us over the years. And I've always admired his honest, forthright approach that takes into account the developmental age and sensitivity of the letter writer. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's an honor to be here. Well, we're delighted you're with us. Now, before we dig into this topic, which is a big one, <laughs> let's take just a minute to hear some kids' letters. I have two here that I'd like to read to set the table for our conversation. So here's the first one. Dear Highlights, recently I watched a documentary about climate change called David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. It really moved me and encouraged me to help prevent climate change. I'd like other people to know more about climate change, how it works, what will happen if we don't prevent it, what is already happening, and how to stop it. 
I think that is an especially important thing for kids to be educated on. We can do just as much as adults when it comes to ending it, and we need everyone's help to end this disaster, or to at least be mindful of it. And here's another uh, letter from an impassioned young child named Zoe who wrote, Dear Highlights, Someday I want to change the world. I'd like to find a way to help enforce the law against littering, to help animals. I love the tiger, black rhino, and the bald eagle. How can I help them? They're very endangered animals. So these two letters really show us the heart of children, uh, the children who love the planet and love the animals and uh, who just feel things very deeply. And you probably know a lot of kids like that. I know that I have come across them too in my life and in my career. Absolutely. Yeah, those are wonderful letters. They, uh, they really kind of, and they exemplify some of the letters that we've had over many years, even when uh, the discussions about the environment were were different matters, you know, uh, and th those are right in that sweet spot of, and you and your introduction was wonderful in um, hitting on the idea of empathy. It's not just about them or just about the planet, but their their um, whole heart and souls and in, uh, involved in the whole thing, right? Yeah, some of these young animal lovers have a very visceral reaction to learning that some of their favorite creatures are endangered. Uh, we've heard from lots of kids who are clearly emotional about the topic. And we can't really tell from Zoe's letter just how emotionally she feels about this. But the fact that she took the time and trouble to write to us suggests that she does have strong feelings about the topic. How important is it for parents and grandparents to acknowledge kids' strong feelings or emotions about this subject? I think it's vital. And uh, the way to do that is really to begin with a lot of listening, very careful listening. And you have to wonder uh, what the context was. How did they hear about this? Was it, um, did they hear about it in school or did they see something on television? In other words, did they get a lot of information along with it? Or is it a pretty superficial uh, understanding that they've, that they've gotten about it? Um, and, so that that then would guide a, a reply or a response that would in turn give them sort of a sense of some control or uh, an emotional engagement at a level that's right for them um, so that they can move, move forward and, and take the actions that are that are appropriate. And that sounds like it requires parents to lean in and do a lot of listening, to invite their children to share their thoughts and to listen, <laughs> to learn, maybe listen without interruption, just to find out what exactly their child does know and how accurate it is, rather than just assuming that we understand what the child understands. Absolutely. And it that might be a little bit of... Um, a treacherous area because these are controversial issues among in some families among some people and so a child might be very concerned about something that um, the parent doesn't necessarily agree with the parent may not agree that climate change is a, an important issue we editorially we accept that it is an important issue but uh, the idea is not to argue over the facts and the details but to sort of 
achieve this level of understanding of where the child is coming from emotionally and intellectually for the level of their own understanding and sort of build from there in a constructive direction. Yeah. It can be hard for a parent to figure out how much information to give their child who wants facts. That's true with everything, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It certainly is. Um, right. And the uh, another uh, aspect of that is the parent, um, it's a test of the parent's own knowledge on the subject. And so there may be a tendency not to listen too deeply or to engage too directly just because the parent feels a little embarrassed. And so another step in that is to admit that not everyone knows everything and they might need to do some exploration together to, uh, to assemble the understanding they need to figure out what this child's role can be in helping on the, on the issue that that's they're concerned about, right? Yeah, I sort of love the idea of a parent and a child going off together to do some research uh, to fill in some information gaps that the parent can't fill in off the top of his or her head. Um, because we want to talk to our kids about this issue honestly without sugarcoating and without distressing the child. And if you're right there sitting next to the child as you learn together, I think the odds of that happening are greater. Yes, quite a bit. Yeah, but even if you don't know much as a parent, um, you can still introduce a ray of hope to any of the worries that a child has, um, because yeah. the, the truth is that there are people already at work on these issues, people who are trying to solve them, and you don't necessarily have to have a PhD in climate science to participate and to help because there are a lot of um, groups that can be, cons if, if you don't want to join the group, you can consult them, you can read their materials and you can uh, find out that way before you settle, settle on a place um, that uh, where the child can actually be, take action. What a child ends up doing may just be uh, within this, the confines of the school, uh, you know, making a presentation that's a, a common thing that we recommend in letters to kids about the environment is you could give a, a presentation at school for your, uh, for, for your uh, classmates. Um, or it might be something bigger. It might be getting more involved in uh, signing up with parents' permission with uh, an environmental organization. So there are the whole, there's a range of things that kids can do. And the, the question is to find the, the right one where the child feels like they're able to contribute and be constructive. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we can hit the hope note too heavily uh, and, and helping kids feel empowered, helping them see that there are some things they can do to, to raise awareness, which often is what many kids say they want to do. I just want to help raise awareness. I want help others to sit up and pay attention. How can I use my voice and my actions to do that? Uh, I remember another letter we received from two sisters who were distressed about the tiger's endangered status. And they said, but we're just two little girls. What can we do? Are there things kids can do that are meaningful even at that young age? Yes, there are. Yeah, some with the help of their parents and some things they can kind of do on their own. Right. Uh, yeah. 
what as a parent, what you're looking at is not just what the child can do to help in that particular case, but also the child's uh, development of the skills and the attitude that'll pay off later for bigger things when they do have more um, ability to be out in the world and have an influence on the world. So if a child wants to run a lemonade stand to benefit the tigers, the amount of money raised may is less important than the child's attitude and the um, ability to, to learning how to follow through, right? And uh, have and, and make some contribution. And that becomes the beginning of behaviors that will pay off later on a bigger scale. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, it's really um, making the effort and not necessarily the the uh, the success of the effort, especially the first time first time out. Some of those early runs. Right out of the gate, we want to make a big impact, but it's not always possible. We do, we do, but sometimes big change comes from the accumulation of a lot of small steps and a lot of small efforts. Right. Exactly. After this short break, we'll continue our conversation. Please stay with us. It's true. Highlights answers every letter we receive from children. If you're curious about how we reply or want to hear more about what kids are thinking and feeling, you'll want to read Dear Highlights, what adults can learn from 75 years of letters and conversations with kids, the book behind this podcast. It's publishing in August and available for pre-order now, wherever you buy your books. You know, for some kids, their concern for endangered species or their interest in clean air or clean water or other environmental issues may get eclipsed by other passions as they grow up. Of course, we want to raise children who continue to care about the earth as grown-ups. And some parents, though, may actually be raising the next Greta Thunberg, someone who, even as a young person, has been in the forefront of raising our collective awareness of the importance of understanding the effects of climate change. In general, are there conversations parents might have or actions they might take um, to encourage their child's interest in environmental issues? I know you've talked about that a little bit, but are there other things that you might recommend to parents to sustain, to, you know, to keep that curiosity going and to sustain interest in this important issue? Uh, yes, and I, th I think a very important thing to do is just to foster a child's connection with nature. And that means starting right at home, right in the backyard or in the in the neighborhood park or whatever, that that, that the wildlife and and the plants uh, that, that we see every day out there are part of this world that we live in where everything is interconnected. And just spending time with your child outside and identifying, even if you can't identify a bird, you can acknowledge, you know, its song and maybe watch for its nest. And that the child can learn that the secrets of nature are discoverable, that you can, you can, you can find out what's going on. You can see what's happening with some time and some patience and that that's a valuable use of time. And so that basis, that is the foundation for a, a lot of their activity in the future when it comes to nature, is that sort of uh, connection with the natural world 
right around them, and that extends to the natural world across the seas, across, on the other side of the nation. So. so it sounds like you're saying it really starts by capturing their heart, and then you capture their minds. You teach Absolutely. them Mother Nature first. I should have just said that. Oh, no. <laughs> I loved your answer. But I think sometimes, um, you know, we do sort of jump as grown-ups who want to help kids, we jump right into facts and, um, and books and, you know, wonderful articles on the internet when maybe what's really called for or what might have the mo make the most lasting impression is this thoughtful, observant walk in the woods, um, you know, or a tour of the backyard. Or I'm glad you brought that up because one of the hard things to do, one of, the, one of the things that's difficult to do when you're leading your child through nature is there's a tendency to try to direct them and guide them. You know, we're going to go now and see the bird, when in fact the child's own curiosity might take you in a different direction. And uh, it's it can be difficult as an adult to let the child lead in that way. And that, because that's the deep connection, is the one that the child chose for himself or herself and learned something and took that home. They'll own that forever, right? Absolutely, yeah. Try to let the child lead. That's hard for us grown-ups because we like to think we know best and we have the power. And <laughs> uh, I know, do. We can learn I... so much by listening to our kids. That's true. That's true. It's a, it's a natural instinct. Yes. So finally, Andy, we like to conclude our podcast by asking uh, all our guests some variation of this question. As you well know, being a longtime employee of Highlights, we do have a fundamental core belief, and that is that children are the world's most important people, and that childhood is a short, sweet season worthy of the thoughtful, loving attention of adults. So if we as a society embrace that idea, um, what might we do differently to help children who love animals and are concerned about um, the, uh, their welfare and the future of our planet? That's a great question, Chris. Uh, I think one thing we should do is um, begin to think about the future of our children in a, in a deeper way way. I mean, we tend, it's, we tend to think of our children, well, what, what, what will their education be like? What might their a career be like? But we, um, as a society, we could think more and act more decisively about what their world is going to be like. And so that would require more political will around issues like climate change. And once we have that political will, then then their political will will be just become a part of that because we'll be uh, leading by example. Uh, another thing I think, uh, playing on your comment about empathy uh, early on, is that I think kindness should just be a more widespread aspect of our world. It's important to remember that every adult we come across has an, an opportunity to influence a child. And every adult we, come, we, we encounter online or face-to-face -face, um, has to carry with them whatever kindness they receive or whatever toxicity they receive. 
and we once we deliver some some of that to the other another adult we can't control how that will spill out into the children in their lives and so the way we treat each other doesn't just model how to treat a, another human being but it also affects how other people treat children when they come across them you know and uh so that has less to do with the environment but more to do with this whole idea of how we treat other beings in the world which does include the animals in our lives absolutely i love that thank you for introducing the idea of kindness and um and its role in really everything we do in every issue but uh, certainly relevant to this conversation so thank you for that that's a great answer thanks for being with us today thanks so much for inviting me chris it's a great idea for you to tackle this issue uh, for your listeners it's been an honor we may have to have you back. We just barely touched on it. The tip of the iceberg. <laughs> thanks. Anytime. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. We are honored to be able to elevate kids' voices and share with you some of what they share with us. Whether a child's concern is big or small, unique or universal, serious or sure to easily work itself out, it's real to the child and matters deeply. We've come to see that in every letter kids have sent to us over the years, there are implicit, overarching questions embedded within. Do you care? Am I loved? Do I have a place in the world? A place in the lives of the people I love? We hope kids believe us when we say in many more words, yes, yes, yes. Let's all lean in to give kids what they really need and want. More listening, more understanding, and more connecting. This podcast is an extension of the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, publishing this August and available for pre-order now, everywhere books are sold. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. And if you'd like to send a comment or suggestion to me directly, please email me at christine at highlights.com.